blame us for that. I was you can the one blaming him with that. that. Austin Matthews, very good two-way forward. Nobody's saying Carson wants us to go. All your team suck, Parker. Pick one. And before Miami fan over here starts talking. Blasphemous. The, the and I'll tell you why. What's that tell you? He's terrible. I'm not out here saying Tom Brady's bad. Yeah, you are. Listen, Gary. <laughs> I'm saying pick it. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the Daft Picks podcast. It is Friday, September 18th here when we're recording, and we have a very, very exciting show today. As always, I am joined by our producer, Parker. Hello. And we are still doing the show remote because, quite frankly, I don't know when we're going to return to Brick and Mortar Studio. So, for the time being, we are remote, and we're going to jump right into the Stanley Cup recap for the Islanders and the Lightning, and then the Stars and the Golden Knights. We got a lot more on the show today, too, but we'll get into that after. So, Parker, do we want to start with the series we were wrong about or the series we were somewhat right about? Let's go with Lightning first, just because that's my team. Okay. Uh, so, I, was, uh, I wasn't I was super worried about the Islanders, but I knew it was going to be a tough out just by the style of hockey that they play. They play a very frustrating style of hockey. Defense by committee. They were dressing 11 forwards and 7 defensemen every game. So a lot of their defensemen were able to log somewhat sheltered minutes, which was kind of hard to play against, especially when Braden Point got banged up. Yeah, it was a good series. and I hate using this adage, but I will use it for this specific case. If that series went to Game 7, I think the Islanders won it. Yeah. Just because you're grinding out another game. But I'll yeah. tell you what, the devil's in the details. The Islanders played, what, like two or three overtimes before this series started. I really think that got the better of them. They couldn't play the style of hockey they really wanted to. Like, you could tell they weren't playing full committed. They were tired. And the Lightning got the better of them. They're just a better team, star-wise. Do we know if Stamkos is going to come back this playoff? He... Like, is he going to be back to the cup? So... From what I understand, he was skating the other night. He wasn't wearing a no-contact jersey or anything, so he might be coming back soon. I feel like I, if if the Lightning go up 2 nothing in the final, that's when we'll see him, because he's going to want to play. Yeah, but, this is... It's a tough situation, because, like, you don't need him, but if you get him back, like, you all but guarantee the Lightning win. Yeah, if anything, it'll just help the chemistry more, because it's really been, like, the Braden Point line. And, yeah. like, the second line hasn't really done anything until Sorelli got that game-winning goal. They've had quite a series. The, that series was good. Man, Varlamov played really well, too. It, the series was interesting for me because it felt like it was never in doubt the Lightning was going to win it. It was just how many games would it take. Right. It was sort of I think like... part of it was because of Game 1. Game 1 kind of was kind of like, okay, there's a clear difference here. And then the Islanders I, really locked it down after that. I feel like it was sort of the carrot on the stick. Like, it was always in reach for the Islanders, but never really in reach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good series. I mean, it kind of played out how we thought it would. Like, I think I even said I wanted the Islanders to win. I picked them to be my team. But in reality, I knew the Lightning were going to come out on top just because it was the logical choice. My whole thing with Lightning was that if they could get past Boston, then they're going to the Stanley Cup, no questions. But it's getting through Boston first, and they were able to do that kind of easily, honestly. So, after that series, there's another series we need to talk about. 
the Vegas Golden Knights, who I was quoted as saying the series was wrapped up and easy for them, and you said it's a no-doubter, lost to the Dallas Stars. Rather embarrassingly, may I add. Yeah, that was pretty bad. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out how they lost. I don't have a good answer. They just couldn't score. And, like, okay, I get it. Like, Hudobin is playing out of his mind. And, like, actually, no, he really isn't. If you think about it, he really is not playing that great. I feel like he's being... It definitely helps when you have a defense that's led by Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg. It definitely does. They have a really good back end. Their top-end players are finally, like, kicking in. Like, Sagan, although he still can't break duck, like, he's still getting really good shots on goal and generating chances. Again, when you have a real star, like, the Dallas Stars have the biggest star in the playoffs left. They have Joel Kivaranta, so that's all they need to go forward. (laughs) Has he even done anything since that Game 7? No, but I'd love to point out that the name you chose, Are You Doubting the Superstar Joel Kivaranta, for our last episode, is absolutely incredible. So for naming the shows, I always try to pick out like a quote that makes me chuckle a little bit or just like a good quote or just a good like one liner. And that was the best one. Obviously, I had to choose it. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it was just there's like like Lander played well. He didn't play as well as he did the previous series, but he played really well. The defense did not like Shea Theodore still played great, but the defense and the Golden Knights broke down. And like you said, they just couldn't score. I think I figured out the answer. I think what killed Vegas was Thatcher Demko. I think Thatcher Demko broke them. It's possible. I also think it's possible that they just got worn down. Which is interesting because they're the team that plays a wear down style of hockey. Yes, but again, they had a couple overtimes as well, I believe, before this series started. And listen, they're not an easy team to play against. There's a reason because. They play full energy. Like that's it's the same thing that happened to the Islanders. They play a high energy game and eventually when you play enough games, you don't have the energy to expend. Dallas for the <sighs> Rick Bonus plays a really interesting style of score score score, then trap. It's incredible. And it's not a great format. I really don't think it's gonna work on the cup. But it worked against Vegas. Yeah, it works against a team that can't score. I'm gonna hazard a guess that the Lightning are going to win this fairly easily. However, if for some reason they don't get off on the right foot in Game 1, there's a chance Dallas can gain ground. I don't see it happening, but like... Alright, well, well first off, Tampa almost always loses Game 1. That is true. Almost always. It always takes Tampa, like, that... Like, the first game's always the tune-up for them. Because Tampa plays based on the matchup. And they don't always figure out the matchup until after the first game. Then they're like, okay, this is what we need to do. I've noticed that a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so make your prediction. What game is the series going to? Who's winning the con Smythe? And who's winning? I'm torn between five or six. I'm going to go to, I think it's going to go to six games. I think it's going to be Tampa. Look, this is a series the Tampa Lightning should win. And they should win fairly handily. Tampa's played tougher teams than Dallas. I feel, and yeah, Dallas is having a nice little miracle run, but there's a reason why people are calling it a miracle run, because really, they they shouldn't be here. I mean, granted, they've had a really tough road. I mean, they had to play against a Flames team that they didn't match up well against, and then they had to beat the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Now they have to play the Lightning. 
I don't know if they right. can beat three super teams in the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. Con Smythe, Victor Hemman, easily. Okay. He's been That's on he's story. he's been on a scoring tear lately. And I always whenever I can't figure out Con Smythe, I have to sort of when in doubt, just give it to the defenseman who's logging heavy minutes, and that's what Victor Hemmings doing. I mean, he's been playing like a half hour every game. He's been looking like Duck and Keith out there. Yes. The way I'm looking at it is this. The Dallas Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm going to put it on them that they're going to continue this run. And unlike the Islanders, where I really didn't believe in it, I actually believe it that the Stars can do this. It's going to take a lot of willpower. I see this going to six games. And for all of the purposes, I'm going to give the Smythe a burden point. Okay. Just because I feel like he's played really well. And although, although it's going to be on the opposing team, that's, I'm picking to lose. It's not like it's never happened. Bold. It is indeed. So what else do we have on the agenda? No, uh, give honest, us <laughs> honestly, the Stanley Cup's been handed to Tampa in like a basket. <laughs> if they lose this series, they're... There's going to be some big questions. Yes, that is very true. Hot take. If they lose, they should fire John Cooper. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I get it. They could be a tricky team to play against, but it's still like they still have huge issues with their roster. Right. And I think, honestly, it's not unheard of to see that happen. I mean, I don't know the last time it happened was, I want to say, like, what was the last coach that got fired after a cup run? I feel like it was probably, like, Red Wings or something, or like the Canadians. I actually remember reading about the CRD. I think it was, I think it was like one of those like '90s teams. Well, let's just say that doesn't happen a lot. But John Cooper getting fired is not a hot take. There's no reason Tampa should lose to Dallas. No, I still think it's going to happen. But there's no reason it should happen. With that said, you ready to move on? Yep. Okay. So I see here you gave me the list that we have talking about stuff. Bill Armstrong going to Arizona. I don't really have much of a comment on this. I mean, I don't really... The Arizona Coyotes are, shouldn't be a team, but that's a conversation for another time. They're trying to cut cap. They might have to trade Cumber. I mean, he's not coming into a great situation, but maybe he could do something good. Because he's with the Blues, but I don't... I don't really know. Is he related to Doug Armstrong? I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like he might be a good steadying hand in Arizona, just because of the his work with the blues but yeah i hope they don't trade kemper because if you trade kemper then how he really justified trying to keep taylor hall it's like you kind of have to go all in right resigning taylor hall you can't split the difference yeah i mean we'll definitely see it's gonna be interesting all season for them i mean they should try to move ronta if anything they should try to move phil castle yeah yeah we'll, we'll see with arizona well, we're on the topic of coaches and personnel. The Cavs hired Peter Laviolette. Laviolette last coached for the Predators, right? Mm-hmm. He's a great coach with the Capitals. I could see that working. I saw there were some comments that the GM was trying to bark some of the Capitals' higher-end players. Is it a shot at Ovechkin again? Maybe, but I like the hire for them. I think Lavi's a good coach for them. Yeah, Lavi's always been a really good coach, and he's always been a good defensive-minded coach. And that's also kind of the style of coach that Barry Trotz is. So maybe them kind of going back to that will help them rediscover their mojo a bit. We'll see. The Capitals are an odd team. Again, they have a tough offseason ahead of them too. So we'll definitely find out very soon. While we're on the topic of coaches still, before we jump to the players, so we have 
a little experiment I wanted to run, which was, what are the five coaches you think that are on the hot seat entering the offseason? So if you need time, I can also give you mine first. So looking at the coaches, I have a list pulled up here. I'm going to go from five to one. I think if they don't make the playoffs or they fizzle out again, Bruce Cassidy should be on the block, but I don't think he's that in danger. So I'm going to put him at number five. Do you want to go with your number five, or do you want me just to go through my list? Yeah, just go through your list. Moving right along, I think depending on where they end up again this year, it's probably safe to say that man, I think Jeff Blaschel with the Red Wings should be on the hot seat just because they should start to be rebuilding, and they should be hiring at least an interim coach that they believe in. So I'm going to put Blaschel at number four. I think number three, listen, I know he just got there. Sheldon Keefe, he's got to like... He's got to do something because I didn't see much of a change at all in the Leafs. And they don't have that long of a window before their big players start departing. They've only got like five years. And you can't waste any time. Number two, I'm going to give it to Paul Maurice because he's been there forever. And at this point, I think he's got to get something done or he's going to leave. Chevy's got to make a decision with him. And if they don't think they're a contender, they've got to sell. And if they do, they've got to find a better coach. And there's tons of good coaches out there. And number one, I'm going to give it to a tie, okay? So <laughs> I'm going to go a tie between John Cooper, if he loses this offseason, and Mike Sullivan, because they oh. fired his entire coaching staff. I saw this added a thousand times when they fired them. You fired the laces instead of the shoe. So I don't see him lasting much longer if they don't compete this offseason. It's only time will tell, but I think you're going to see a lot of high pedigree coaches getting fired, like I just named off. Who do you got? So at number five, I'm going to put Bob Bogner. Okay. With the Sharks, just because I'm not really sold on him, and I don't think he's the long-term solution in San Jose. He's going to get fired at some point. The question is when. When, right. Okay. Number four, I have Bruce Cassidy. I agree. Yeah, because their core is getting older. He's going to start getting diminished returns from them. And... NHL coaching is a roster of turnover. So we've seen that with the LA Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks fired Quenville three years removed from being in a Stanley Cup final. And then the Kings got rid of theirs after like, what, two years of still making the playoffs but not going far? Right, roughly. So, So it's like we see coaches fired even though they make the playoffs. So it's like, I mean, it's not... Uncommon. Yeah. Number three, I have Jeff Blashill. I kind of agree with you. Like, this is when we're going to need to start seeing results from the Red Wings. I mean, they're starting to get lots of talent in there now. Stevie Y might want to bring in his own guy. So Yeah, I don't disagree with you either. Especially because that project's going to have to come to a head at some point. Number two, I have Paul Maurice. I mean, the team does have massive defensive issues but they have one of the best forward groups in the nhl i remember talking to you the other day about i think like their top six is really 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 good and i feel like if that was any other team they would be like a powerhouse yeah like they, i don't believe in paul brace either yeah i've yeah he's been there forever they only made a western conference final once and they got schlacked by mm-hmm. the golden knights in their first season which isn't really a good look number one i have jeremy colleton Charlotte blackhawks mm. Interesting. I don't think he's a long-term solution there, and I don't think he's a very good coach. I feel like if you bring in like a actual established coach in there, he would actually be able to see some more returns with the Blackhawks players, like their young players and all that. I just 
I'm just not a believer in him. And yeah, no, I agree. He's okay. another stopgap coach. Like he was only supposed to be interim, and that's it. So he's already sort of like playing with house money a little bit. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And my number one with asterisk is John Cooper. He has to, has to, has to, has to, has to win a cup. He has to. So you're stealing my idea. Okay. I've been saying this for years, Birdo. <laughs> it's like, how can you have a team that's this loaded with talent? And be this bad? Well, not bad, but it's like, be this... Mediocre? Unfulfilled. Mediocre when it comes to cup contention. Yeah. It's annoying. It's very frustrating. Okay. Those are all fair points. I see you have here on the docket player trades, so we got a stall for Johansson. So my thought is, Minnesota is absolutely stupid for doing this. Eric Stahl is still a good player. Sure, he's not 90-point Eric Stahl, but he's still Eric Stahl. Buffalo gets a hell of a bargain. Johansson is bona fidely not great. <laughs> he is bang average. Yeah, at first when I saw this trade, I was like, okay, maybe the Wild's trying to get younger. And then I remembered, oh, Johansson sucks. Yes. Uh, he's very mediocre. He's like a top nine guy at this point. And he's not even like that much younger than Stahl. Like, Johansson's 30. Yeah. So it's not even like you're trying to get younger. It's like, like at that point, just like hold on to Stahl because he's making like what? Better? Three, he's like three and a half million and he's still putting up 50 points a year. Yeah, he's still a good player. Yeah, if anything, I think I'd give that to the Sabres just because Felix Stahl's one of those players that's going to play well up until he's 40. It's like we've seen players like that, like, you know, Joe Pavelski, you know, like a lot of the Sharks players. And I feel yeah. like Stahl's one of those kind of players where he's going to play well up until that point. I guess you could say he's stalling off age. Yeah, and he's also a good leader. Like, he'll bring some, like, good leadership to that team. Yeah, no, I like the trade for Buffalo's perspective. You have here Jonas Brodin. Let me tell you why the Minnesota Wild are dumb. And let me get some facts out so that I have them here. So, the Wild, so how long did they sign him for? Can you just give me the breakdown of the contract? Uh, seven years, 42 million, so it's six mil per year. Okay, they're dumb. Jonas Brodin is not worth that. He is, maybe he's worth the money. He's not worth that long of an extension. He's 27, he'll be 28. You're taking him into his age 30, what, a 36 season or whatever. So you're taking him into his, basically his final contract. He's a good, not great defenseman. He's okay. He's top four. But the most important part of all this is signing him basically means that Matt Dumba, who has been lofted around in trade rumors a lot this offseason already, is gone. And Matt Dumba is their best defenseman. Matt Dumba is an incredible defenseman. He is a top two defenseman on 99% of teams except for like the Lightning and maybe the Stars because they have two great starter players defensemen too. So I don't understand this. I don't know what Bill Guerin is doing in Minnesota. I don't understand the plan there. They're trying to sign guys long term, but not their core players. I don't get it. <laughs> Why are they trying to sign players long-term when they still have Zach Parise and Ryan Suter to those Albatross Mammoth contracts? I know. What are you doing? You have to... Like, even buying out those contracts won't help them because they're just that bad. And Brodeen, I think he's a good defenseman. Like, he's a good defensive defenseman, but I wouldn't pay six mil for him when I'm trying to rebuild my team. No, like, he, like I said, he's good, not great. Like, I would have tried trading Brodeen. Right. Because I feel like... He would be able to get a lot in trade talks too, like a team a like, like, like a team like the, like Winnipeg would come calling for Brodin. I would think. Yeah, he's a good complimentary piece. Here's the thing: 
when you trade from a position of weakness like the Wild will be, because they're going to be up against the cap a little bit now, I know they have some cap to spare, but every team is internalizing because of COVID. They're internalizing their cap for the most part. And the Wild are no exception. They're going to have to move Dumba now. They already were shopping him. Now they have to move him. So now the teams know you have to move your best defenseman. You're already going to take a loss moving Matt Dumba. It doesn't matter who you trade him for. You're taking a loss because he's that good of a player. But the problem becomes, like, what are you going to get from now? Like, I saw the Leafs were rumored to be in on him. And the price was high. I think it was like a first-round pick and a top pedigree prospect. So if that's That's a first-round pick, well, plus. So, uh, like, if that's the pick that they have from, say, Pittsburgh, the 15th overall, and Timothy Lilligren or something like that. And then on top of that, you have to trade off somebody like, say, Andreas Johnson or, hell, even Travis Dermott. Now you lose more value. Now that goes from that extra player to maybe just that first and Timothy Lilligren. Maybe that first and not Timothy Lilligren. Maybe it's somebody different. Like, you're losing a lot of value because you backed yourself into a corner. Right. I would be happy for Dumba leaving Minnesota, though. So that way he can yeah. actually get the recognition he deserves. Yeah, and I can see, like, honestly, I said Toronto, that's the team he's been rumored to the most. I can see him being a perfect fit there. Like, Dumba with maybe, who do they have coming up defensively? Lilligren. They've got some, well, maybe Lilligren, or maybe they have another defenseman there in Swedish. I can't think of his name. I mean, you can pair him with Riley, because Dumba's good too. But, man, that would be a really good defense with him and, like, you know, whoever they pair him with. So good for them. Like I also see him maybe going to Pittsburgh, question mark. Because, uh, hey, because, because listen, it, it seems like a lot of former Minnesota players are going to Pittsburgh. Well, also, Bill Guerin was our former AGM. So I know Latang is on the block. Do you want Chris Latang from Adam? Well, I'll take that. Oh, my God. Could they afford um, Latang? Listen, <laughs> that's not the question that I'm asking, okay? I'm asking, do you want Chris Latang from Adam? And my answer is yes. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the wild. They just released a statement, like, earlier today, I guess, that they're not going to be re-signing Miku Koivu. I'm not sure if you read it, but it reads like a eulogy. Yeah, it's basically, like, <laughs> if he decides he doesn't want to play, he's going to get offered a front office position. But, like, you're a terrible team. You're awful. Just take your captain back. What does he want? Like, two million? Give him two million. You just signed freaking Jonas Brodin. He, he literally, he was literally their fourth-line center, and he was their captain. Yeah, well, okay, and he's been there, like, his entire career, almost. Miku Koivu was a true leader, both on and off the ice, during his 15-year career with the Wild. Exactly, 15 years, so... (laughs) What the hell? 15 years of atrocious hockey, like... You can't do that to your captain if he's willing to save the team and take a discount. Right, now they want to offer him a front office role, like, I'd be like, Tom Sand, no. It's like, no, I want to play hockey. Anyway, I see the last thing on the docket you have here is the NFL... Season uh, week one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how do you want to go through this? I'm going to let you take the reins on this. I don't know if I'd want to do every game, but maybe, like, the important ones. Well, I only watched one game. Oh, boy. So, what game was that? That would be Pittsburgh. Okay, let's talk about Pittsburgh. I think we looked all right. We beat a terrible Giants team. Probably not as easily as we should have. Roethlisberger looked pretty good. Juju looked pretty good. James Conner looked mediocre. Benny Snell, baby. Yeah, I thought yeah, I thought the like the rookie showed up. TJ Watt was playing really well. I don't know, good game all around. I'll take it. The other game I had like I'd seen parts of. Well, okay, there is two games I do want to talk about. So if there's any more you want to talk about, just by all means. But the two games I'll present to you: Cam Newton's first game with the Patriots went really well. 
played incredibly. Well, no, he didn't play incredibly. No. He played enough for him to win. He played incredibly for his first game, though. Like, coming into a Belichick system, that's tough to do. And he played good. And Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, and Tom Brady lost. Yep. And he looked bad. Yep. And then his coach called him out. Yeah, Tom Brady does not look good. And I could have told you this. And you said it because Bruce Arians runs... What does he run? Like an airstrike offense? What's it he, called? Air raid. I, I don't know if it's actually an air raid, but he pretty much... He runs it like bombs away. It's like every drop back is going to be like, okay, you're good. Bomb this like 80 yards down the field. Yeah, Brady just didn't look comfortable. And like, okay, he wanted to go there to have fun. Are you having fun, Tom? So the thing is, is that Tom Brady has never learned any system other than a Belichick system in like the 20 years he's been playing. Yep. That's sort of like the only thing that other quarterbacks have a leg up on him is, especially like journeyman quarterbacks, that they know how to learn new systems. He doesn't know how to do that. And he's 43. It's like the older you get, the harder it is for you to learn new things. Yep. That's just basic neuroscience. And it's showing. It's like, yeah, he played mediocre, but he clearly didn't play well enough for them to win. In fact, he played well enough for them to lose. Yeah, I didn't like anything that they did this game one. And it's like all those players that they brought in, like Gronkowski, they were mainly using him as a blocking tight end. Leonard Fournette looked like trash. Yeah, um, which is pretty effective, because he is. It's like, look, when you bring in, like, all of these different players to a team, it doesn't matter, like, how skilled they are. It matters how well they play together. It's about chemistry, it's about team fit, and a lot of the players on Tampa don't look like they're comfortable, and maybe that's because, I don't know, they overhauled the roster. Like, you're bringing in, like, what, 20? I'm going to draw a number out there, like 20 players, like 20 new players or whatever. Yeah, that's like almost half your team. Obviously, they're not going to be used to playing together because there's just no chemistry between anybody. It's like that's why I always have these issues when I see a team get all these players in free agency. And then everyone's like, ooh, they're going to be good. It's like, no, they're not going to be good because they're not going to know how to play together. You see that with Le'Veon Bell, the Jets. Well, before he got injured anyways. Or you can see this with, like, DeMarco Murray when he signed with the Eagles. It's like, yeah, they were great players with their previous teams, but they signed with teams who don't play the systems that they function well in. Chip Kelly tried making DeMarco Murray, if you remember, tried making him play like the Sean McCoy, which he couldn't do because he's a north and south runner. Adam Gase is trying to make Le'Veon Bell play like a north and south runner, which he can't do because he bounces around in the backfield. It depends on team fit. You have to look at how coaches coach. And I don't think a lot of these players did that. All they saw was Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay, and they're like, ooh, I want to go to Tampa Bay. Pretty much. Is there any other games you want to talk about? The Dolphins game made me sad, because I thought it was very winnable. Cardinals got a good win. Kyler Murray played great. Amazing what happens when he gets a number one receiver. <laughs> I, like I said, I haven't really followed. I'm honestly like, I think I'm tapped on an NFL for now. They've, oh, I hate the NFL as a league. So, yeah. Like, yeah. They're so exhausting. Yeah. I get that. Did you hear about the Jaguars game, though? No. No? No. Nope. Well, nope. let me tell you the greatness of Gardner Minshew, because Minshew Mania oh, is back. I did, and I picked him up in fantasy. I did actually see this, yes. He went 19 of 20, three touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. I saw that, yes. Okay, I did see that. I genuinely think you could build a team around him. At this rate, he's, he was doing this kind of stuff last year, and he's doing it again. And they don't have much of a team down there. And my boy, LaVisca Chenault, had a touchdown first game. 
I know. I thought, yeah, like, I think I actually picked him up, too. The Jaguars are, like, quietly good. I'm telling you, like, I'm going to ride the Minshew Mania until it doesn't work. Yeah, at some point, his luck's going to run out just because the Jaguars don't really have much of a team. But I really do think there is something there with Minshew. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. It's like the thing that's working against him is that he's a sixth-round pick. So it's like he's going to have to keep playing Unreal for people to consider it because people are still like, oh, tank for Trevor, dur dur Well, yeah, but Minshew's not bad. Minshew could be very good. If not for, actually, I think it would be better if he was playing for a team that's not the Jaguars, but I digress. Phil Rivers played like trash, though. He did not look good. Well, it's Phil Rivers. Yeah, that's old man Phil Rivers. None of the other games are really interesting, though. Except Bears-Lions, Trubisky won. Uh, what happened uh, with that one? So the Bears won, like, 27-23. Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> had three touchdowns, no picks. He actually played well. He had, like, a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Actually, all of his touchdowns were in the fourth quarter. I'm full of him. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I don't think he's good. I just think that's funny. Anything else you want to get to uh, NFL-wise? Not particularly. Alrighty. Well, we can wrap it there if you'd like. Okay. Alrighty. Well, we will be back after the cup final ends. So that'll be probably like a week and a half, roughly. The last game, like game seven, set for September 30th. So. Okay. So yeah. So at latest, we'll do it September 30th. We do have one more show coming up after that, and that'll be the the draft show. So we're gonna try to hammer the the details for that, and then we will begin filming. Well, we'll be taking our two week filming. Hiatus. Sorry, we'll be good recording. So, like I said, we'll begin recording our game show for you guys after a two-week hiatus coming into, like, late October, early November. And then we'll be taking our hiatus till 2021. But obviously, that's not really going to affect production schedule because we'll have pre-recorded shows. We just won't hear any news because, well, we won't be recording the news. So, with all that adjourned out, thank you all for listening today. We look forward to seeing you back after the Cup Final and then for our draft show. And until then, we will keep it locked.